When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Kevin Phipps. How you doing? I am sufficiently caffeinated and insufficiently inebriated. Mm. Uh, it probably describes me too. Uh, let's see, you've been uh, writing up a storm for the site. Uh, let's start out with the track and field uh, article that you write. The um, the indoor uh, campaign has started for the track and field uh, uh, squad. They um, they headed up to uh, Seattle for the indoor preview at UW and uh, ran the competition out of the building. Well, you know, you'd figure that a, a school named or, you know, frequently affiliated with Nike would have a pretty decent track program. And we have not disappointed so far this indoor season. Um, at the UW uh, indoor preview, we had eight first place finishers yeah. um, around the, around the different events, you know, so, and, and a lot of, you know, top fives, top tens as well, you know, just, I think there were a couple events we were like one, two, three, one, three, four, one, you know, just, just generally being the dominant track school that we, uh, we always have been. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a minute since Oregon's won a national championship. I think it was the, the women in 2017. Um, uh, uh, you know, so, and I think the women are a little better situated than the men this year to, to get back to me, you know, maybe winning, uh, a natty. Um, but like, uh, yeah. And so this is like, you know, the, the indoor campaign, um, you know, started out on a great note. Uh, you know, they, they just, you know, cleaned everybody's clock, uh, up at UW. Um, we'll start, uh, uh, Jaden Mays, um, two different wins in the 60 meter and the 200 meter. Um, uh, and, uh, and you put, you found a bunch of clips, um, and put them in your article. Like listener, if you haven't, uh, uh read Kevin's article, go pull it up because it's just, knock your sock off it's totally comprehensive and it's got just gorgeous clips um jaden ray's really kicked ass yeah this girl can flat flat she runs a 60 meter faster than i could probably run 30 yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's it's blistering um and, and you know one of the uh one of the better times we've seen so far, I realize that the indoor season is, is pretty early on, but it is one of the better times we've seen in the country so far. Um, so that that's, that's going to pay off as we get deeper into the season. Um, you know, and it wasn't, you know, Jade Mays first place, 60 meters, 200 meters, but then, you know, also in the 60 meters, we had third and fourth, third, fourth and fifth and seventh and eighth were all ducks. Yeah. And then in the 200, second first second third fourth sixth seventh eighth yeah well like, basically like everybody showed up finished in the top 10 yeah. um <laughs> and uh uh 
and uh uh you know and then madison cannon you know in the 400 meters you know finished ninth um and then in some of the you know the the longer events um the uh uh claudia kazmierska and maddie elmore um have been uh you know doing really well too um you know in in the mile uh uh kazmierska come in came in second elmore came in fourth um you know in the 600 uh kazmierska came in fifth uh you know elmore took second in the 800 that was my distance and <laughs> I, I hate the 800 everybody who runs the 800 hates it uh i, but, I yeah. ran one once in high school because we needed extra team points and the coach thought that since i was the lead leg on the mile relay i would be pretty good at an 800 he did not yeah. tell me that uh you don't run the first 400 like that's all there is <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also do want to shout out on those mile times. Uh, Claudia and Maddie turned in the second and seventh best UO mile times by women. So, and both had personal bests as well. So great. And then, uh, and then the hurdles, Ali McCormick took first place. Yep. Uh, and, uh, the ladies took first place in the four by 400 relay, uh, uh, Dote Baron, Clayton, Wright and Hall. Um, uh, uh yeah and uh jada ross uh, took first place in in the shot put um uh and set the meet record that is correct 18.18 meters yeah i know yeah, pretty impressive and yeah. i mean we're leading not leaving off you know the folks who came in uh you know not first place but i mean like uh, what was the i mean i think the worst finish for any of the ladies was 16th place you know in in events in which i think there were five different schools you know and like goods you know washington arkansas was there like uh you know like the, this was serious competition and mm -hmm. like you know oregon you know was was kicking butt um you know listener go, go ahead and read uh, uh the article yeah sc was there um mm -hmm. uh, uh read the article you know for for the full rundown um just a, a really fantastic performance the, the men did pretty well too um uh uh you know for, first place finish for uh james harding 600 meters um and uh, anthony trucks took the first place in the 60 meter hurdle um jack dorman took first place in the high jump um and uh and mason strunk uh took number uh, first place in the weight throw yeah we just and it you know oregon has long been considered a sprinter school yeah um, but watching us you know catch some of these relays and especially the field events you know yeah we had a, a pretty good decathlete back you know back a, a few years ago but it's nice to see us kind of all around the, the track turning in really good performances um, rather than kind of excelling in one area. Yeah, definitely. Like I got, I mean, we should, you know, it's not just the sprinters. Definitely. Uh, you're right. You know, like great results, both the men and the women in, you know, high jump, uh, pole vault, triple vault, triple jump, you know, uh, and, you know, the throwing events, you know, uh, uh, you know, five different uh, finishers between one and 12 uh, for the women in the shot put. Um, the, uh, 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 the, the men had a, a second place and seventh place finisher in the shot put, um, you know, the men had a, a, a fifth and seventh place finisher in the pole vault, uh, first and second place in the high jump for, for Norman and, uh, Abun Kankan. Um, uh, 
uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's really, you know, well-rounded team. They're, they're really at second place in, in the four by 400 relay, you know, so, you know, excellent team performance. Um, yeah, no, uh, you know, both squads, you know, the, the men and the women are looking really well-rounded and not just like, well, it's sprinters, you know, it's, it's short distance, long distance, uh, you know, it's all the track events and it's the throwing events as well. Like, yeah, this was, you know, r- really excellent performance against top quality competition and it presages like, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to a really good, you know, for, for the rest of the, uh, the indoor competition and, you know, making a, a push to, to winning some indoor titles, um, for which, like I said, you know, it's been a minute. Yeah. And, uh, one cool thing, uh, for those of us that like watching people run, throw and turn left, um, you can actually check out the indoor track and field right now. It's going on today and tomorrow at the Razorback Invitational. Um, if you get the SEC network or if you're a, someone who has access to cable um, and can get in it, you can actually watch the indoor track results live, which uh, uh, yeah, doesn't uh, get a lot of coverage. Uh, Arkansas is a, a, a fantastic uh, track program as well. Um, they've got like a legendary coach. And on top of that, any football fans out there may be interested to know that Roderick Pleasant, uh, Oregon's defensive back recruit, and one of the fastest human beings uh, on the planet. He's like the California high school record holder for uh, you know a couple of um, uh, race events. Uh, mm-hmm. Will be competing with the track team uh, in Fayetteville. So if you want to check that out, uh, it's pretty cool. And yeah, like literally as we speak, as we're recording this on Friday, um, they're getting started. So uh, you'll be writing that up for the site. Um, it'll uh, the, the, the write up article will go up next week. That is correct. Uh, uh, I got to maintain my, my streak of not writing about basketball. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to get real busy in February. I, we, we had our planning meeting this morning and like, yeah, it's uh, you know, everything's starting up in February. We, you know, we've, baseball softball uh, uh lacrosse ice hockey uh hey let's take a break uh we come back we'll talk about some hockey sure so hockey is a club sport at oregon but far and away the um most uh uh you know, well-followed of the club sports, uh, you know, it's very well organized. They have, you know, serious competition. They, they play, um, a, a number of other, you know, power five, or I guess we should start saying power four now, uh, competition, you know, they opened up their season, uh, against Colorado. Um, they went out to Rutgers and swept Rutgers, um, you know, future big 10, conference opponent um they're down in arizona right now as we as we speak um uh uh um the the uh, last year actually the last two years they've been really good uh this year it's been a little bit more of a mixed bag like they they opened up the season with a win over colorado and then it was like six straight losses um that were kind of brutal um yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of a rough start. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, they um, uh, 
but as soon as they got on the plane and went out to New Jersey, uh, it, they sort of like turned it around. Like I said, that you know they swept Rutgers. Uh, they got one of the two games against uh, Lawrence Tech. They beat Western Michigan. Um, and as you just finished writing up for the site, um, they played a doubleheader against the University of Washington, in which they really cleaned the Huskies' clocks. Yeah, and I mean nothing gets me as excited about writing writing for sports as uh, Oregon beating Washington. So um, hockey is just one one more opportunity for me to to get that high. <laughs> uh, they were out in Bend, so you know a little bit closer to home. Still not quite a home game, but um, they went. I, I believe it was last week. Um, yeah, took the on Washington. Took the on Washington. Yeah, took on Washington. Two games, both like not even really close. Um, I think both, both games ended up being five and one. Um, and I think we went, went up five and zero oh in game one before they scored. Yeah. And yeah, then, it was, it was, it was a real late goal by, by yeah, Washington at the I end. Think it, was, it just didn't matter at all in the third period. Yeah. Uh, no, that was game two. It was a late goal. Uh, they, yeah, they did yeah, yeah, you're, you're in right. the second quarter in game one, but we were already up three Oh at that point, And then, just added two more um including and this, this was kind of a fun one you know <laughs> the the huskies scored trying to keep it close um we come back and score a minute later and then 20 seconds later on a fast break we score again so yeah it's like oh no you didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was great and um if you happen to catch the other thing that's great is you can go up on the uh the, the hockey team's uh, youtube channel all their all their games are streamed live um, and uh, and you can go if you find their YouTube channel, you can like all the live streams of their games are still all archived there. So like I went and watched some of them, like, in fact, putting together their record, you know, like I, I, I had to watch the ending of both of their Colorado games to find out what the final score was in, <laughs> uh, on their live stream. Like that's, a, that was the depth of research we do here at, at ATQ was watching hockey for you. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it was great. Like with commentary and, and the score but you know it ain't ain't no rinky dink uh uh no pun intended uh, uh production you know they've got you know they've got the you know commentary and the score bug and like everything like it's it's a good watch um and the other thing that needs to be said like absolutely must be said is that the uh the kits that they are wearing are perhaps the best kits that i have ever seen any sports team at any level wear period full stop not like best in hockey not best at oregon i mean best period like holy cow and you can get one for yourself they are um they are actually selling their uh, their jerseys and i don't mean like you yeah. get a, a t-shirt version of a jersey like you can buy a hockey jersey yeah. Uh, to show your support for the duck hockey team and it actually supports the team because remember this is a club team so yeah. they are student run and self-funded yeah so no, they're fantastic and they you know their 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 normal kits are you know it's it's you know all, you know the all uh apple green with you know the duck on the chest and then the, the you know and then the the other ones are, are all white with the same but they just debuted like last week i think the the all yellows um which are just oh my god they're they're so good like 
yeah no best best just dress team in sports like oh, oh yeah oh yeah. my god you got yeah so uh you know check check out their site you know their their, their twitter account is is just uo hockey um uh yeah uh we're gonna be doing ongoing coverage of the of, of the hockey team for the rest of the season um uh yeah uh, uh pretty darn exciting uh all oh, right so they're down the, the, yeah. the new black alternates that they've just come out with oh i didn't see about the blacks really yes oh my god okay so they're down in arizona right now <laughs> they're taking on the university of arizona and then they got a double header against grand canyon so um i think you got that article for next week i do um, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll check that out. Man, you gotta get you gotta get a link in your article to some of these uniforms and like maybe how. how I think fans... I'm gonna go at it right now. Yeah, and yeah, maybe how fans can uh, pick up pick up something, a little something, something. Uh, all right, good stuff, man. Um, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. Uh, um, we'll talk some football. So you wrote a couple of articles uh, about the football team. Let's see. Let's start with let's start on the coaching uh, aspect of it. Um, there's uh, 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 coach uh, Demetrius Martin um, uh, has well, among other things, uh, Co- coach Demetrius Martin has headed off to uh, his alma mater, which is Michigan State. Um, to coach the cornerbacks there he um the oregon had split up their defensive backs so that um the the new guy who came in this year to replace matt powledge um who's chris hampton um uh who was just coaching the safeties um uh so now he sort of officially has the 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 on-field responsibility for the entire uh secondary um uh, I always liked uh, Demetrius Martin. I, in fact, I, I've I've gone out of my way to say that I think that he's, you know, maybe you know one of the one of the top cornerbacks coaches in the country. I I actually think that's a fairly significant loss as a uh, as a developer. On the other hand, um, I also think that Chris Hampton's like a really good defensive backs coach too. Like I did an entire film study project on him at Tulane um, the year before he came to Oregon. I really liked what his guys were doing. Um, they ran a, a a tight front structure, which is sort of the it's basically the mint front, but with you know minor variation that has very little to do with the defensive backfield so you, you know it's plug and play um and like in his secondary was totally key to it and then another sort of key thing he took a as you note in your article um uh kevin um he uh, he was like the safeties coach at tulane and then he took a one year break to go be the um the cornerbacks coach at duke and then he came back to Tulane to be their defensive coordinator. And then, and then Oregon snagged him. Well, that year at Duke, he was the coach of uh, a defensive back named Brandon Johnson. Well, guess who Oregon snagged out the transfer portal? Oh, Brandon Johnson. There, there we go. Connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that's we've pretty- seen previously how reuniting uh you know players with their first year coordinators can yeah yeah can cause something of a a, a renaissance i mean yeah we've we seen that we saw that kenny dillingham and bo nicks Nix. no whittington and carlos lachlan uh 
uh, yeah, we, you know, we've, we've seen that with, you know, a couple that we saw that with, uh, uh, Nico Reed and uh, Demetrius Martin. Uh, yeah. Uh, hell, we've seen it with fathers and sons. We've seen it with Tatum Tuiati and, uh, his dad, the defensive line coach Tuiati. Um, uh, so, so yeah. Um, and the other thing to be said about the cornerbacks, as you note in your article, is there's a sort of promotion. I don't think he's going to be an on-field coach, but Rashad would do, uh, coach would do, uh, as he goes by on Twitter. Did, did you get, uh, what do you think the story is there, uh, with, with his, prom- his promotion? I, I don't think he's, it's like you said, he, he was a, graduate assistant um i th- i think he will be a position coach i don't think he'll he'll advance to being on field like you said because the ncaa only allows so many on field coaches right 10 um, and since oregon only lost one yeah we'll talk um, about in a second you know the other guy that i think they're going to promote to be an on-field coach but yeah go ahead um so so I, I think it'll he'll still like he'll probably gain the title cornerbacks coach but he will not be on the field um but, you know, he's a former Arizona State and Eastern Washington cornerback. Um, and, you know, going into the season, a lot of people looked at our our defensive backfield and they thought, oh, man, you know, we're we're really light, you know, in the defensive secondary. Um, and then we held opposing squads to some of the lowest explosive play numbers in the Pac-12. We allowed only yeah. one play over 50 yards all season, yeah. which was like, if it wasn't yeah. best in the nation, I don't know what <laughs> who played teams that don't throw. So, yeah, um, it, it, especially you know, very long plays. Oregon was it was v- extremely good at preventing very long plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, in in the like fifteen to twenty five yard you know range, like Oregon could you know that is an area that Oregon could work on. Now, of course, they played Washington twice, uh, unlike literally every other team in the country. You know, yeah. like Washington was literally the most explosive, you know, passing offense in the country. And Oregon was literally the only team that had to play them twice. So, of course, you know, their numbers against and, you know, that's what Washington does is hit the, you know, plays of that range like all the didn't damn time also hold, i mean other than arizona state which i don't know what happened that game didn't we hold washington to some of their worst numbers as well in the in the first game yes mm-hmm. uh, not in the december game yeah um, not not so much the december game yeah. we don't talk about the december game. <laughs> um but so, like yeah <laughs> but the um uh yeah the and on top of that the 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 other thing is that's just the past thing the the rush ex, the explosive rush defense numbers of which the secondary in a mint defensive structure is plays a vital role you know mm-hmm. like be, because like in a mint defensive structure like the way that you stop the run it's not like in a traditional thing where it's like the middle linebacker who's built like a fire hydrant and has a neck roll who just comes and smashes you know the running back no 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 it's a spill and kill system where the defensive line kind of like discourages the running back from running up the middle they spill it to the outside and the guy who comes you know uh, running down you know, down the alley or whatever uh, to, to stop that is a defensive back. So yeah. like, and the fact that Oregon, and so like no better example of a team that loves to run to the outside and Oregon totally shut them down with the exception of one play um, than Liberty, 
you know, the reason why Liberty was a, you know, the, the number, literally the number five offense in the country in F plus advanced statistics, which is opponent adjusted, you know, yeah, I know they played it to, you know, terrible schedule, but even an opponent adjusted advanced statistics, they were the number five offense in the country. And yet Oregon totally shut them down is that their rush defense is totally built to take away explosive outside rushing with really good defensive backs play. And hey, Oregon's got some pretty good defensive backs, coaches, including Coach Wadu. Um, well, and that also spills over into who I think will get the other on field position, which is defensive analyst Brian uh, Michalowski. I think it's Michalowski. Is it Michalowski? Okay, Michalowski. Brian, if I mispronounce your name, you're more than welcome to come on the podcast next time and shout at me. I actually um, encountered him. The first time I encountered him um, was actually talking to our friend Jack Barsh, who writes for our sister site, Ralphie Report on the SB Nation Network um, uh, for for Colorado, because Colorado initially he was a, it, like a grad assistant at Georgia um, mm-hmm. and um and then, you know, and then Mel Tucker, if you recall, when Mel Tucker came, he was a Georgia guy. And he when he took over Colorado, he he because Colorado couldn't afford to spend any money. Um, he Mel Tucker's like entire staff at Colorado when he took over there was comprised of either a color like holdovers at Colorado because Colorado couldn't afford to, to fire like half mm-hmm. of their staff, even though like probably should have. Um, so guys like Tyson Summers, who should have been fired. $20,000 buyout. Yeah. I was like, well, we can't afford to fire you. So even though we should, we have to keep you. And then the other half of the staff were like, no joke, like Georgia analysts who were making, you know, like chicken scratch. Mm-hmm. So one of those guys was Brian Michalowski. And so I was kind of like making fun of Colorado for this. And Jack, our 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 buddy um, uh, from Ralphie Report, kind of stops me and says, I know you're making fun of Colorado and and as well you might, but not Michalowski. He's actually doing a real good job. Mm-hmm. And and you might like he's good on the recruiting trail and he's actually been training up our linebackers pretty well. And then go and look, Colorado winds up Nate Landman and uh, oh, gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, uh, he was an outside. His number was number 26. He wound up getting he was an outside linebacker for Colorado and he wound up like just a total nobody like low three star. He wound up getting drafted and he was a Michalowski guy. Um, uh, yeah. You're talking about not McClendon. No, gosh, I should have looked this one up. Um, Anyway, like, yeah, he's a, yeah. um, uh, um, So yeah, Jack totally turned me onto this guy as like, yeah, he, he's sort of an up and comer. I mean, hell, if you look at his career trajectory, it kind of looks a lot like Dan Lanning's career trajectory i'm not saying he is dan lanning or anything Mm -hmm. but i'm just saying that like everybody's got to come from somewhere and the fact that he was originally just a lowly defensive analyst like everybody's originally a lowly defensive analyst you know (laughs) yeah so uh, one of the reasons i think he's gonna he's gonna get that spot on field is while he's outside linebackers coach colorado georgia and memphis his other stop um ran defenses with our hybrid linebacker safety role this we call it the star Mm -hmm. um 
So yeah, Colorado calls it the buff backer. The buff backer. You know, we had one called the Rover for a while, Mm -hmm. but that was when we had specific people. Michael Fletcher, I believe, was the original Rover. Patrick Chung took on the role for a while. Um, And that was, I'm going to go where I can cause the most havoc. But now we have the star linebacker slash safety and because of the that role and it, and the way we utilize it, that's why I think he's more likely going to end up on the field um, actively coaching. But that's just my guess based on our defensive scheme. Um, so uh, Davion Taylor that. is his name. OK, uh, from 2020. Uh, it, it was the 2020 draft. Uh, Michael yeah. Lowski got his hands on him in 2019 yeah that's sorry um but yes so that that's michaelowski and his influence will be seen in the uh, on the linebackers and that hybrid safety position yeah um so so right now linebackers are official well i believe inside linebackers are I believe the entire line, including outside linebackers, are coached by Coach Tuiati. And I believe that inside linebackers are coached by uh, Coach Lupoy. You know, like he's mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator, but he, his remit also includes inside yeah. linebackers. And I think you're right. I think this is going to get reorganized so that Tuiati just has defensive linemen, which is probably going to be the nose tackles four eyes and five techs. And mm-hmm. then I think Michalowski is going to get the OLBs and ILBs and maybe the star. And then I think that um, uh, 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 Coach Hampton is going to get the deep safeties and cornerbacks, except the cornerbacks are actually really going to be handled by Coach Wadu. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I think that's how it's, I think that's how the defensive staff is kind of going to get reorganized. The one one I'm interested to see is because Demetrius Martin, in addition to being the cornerbacks coach, was also the passing game coordinator. Right. Or pass defense anyway. Yeah. So that'll be the the shift that frees somebody else up. Okay. Uh, Also, uh, a new graduate assistant we added, Ryan Walk, a name familiar to most Duck fans and dear to all those that that have watched his progress in Eugene former walk on um, earned his earned his uh, scholarship and has started at every position yep. um, except for left tackle. I think mm, yes, I he's think played right. at left tackle, but he has never started at left tackle. He has started at every position along the line, but never, uh, never at left tackle. You know, uh, Ryan, uh, I, let me tell a story about Ryan. Walk. Um, or, uh, t- let me tell a story about me recording podcasts in which Ryan Walk is featured. <laughs> so this is really okay. about me, I guess. Um, like I, uh, 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 I, I form opinions about offensive linemen and about offensive line coaches uh, because I watch lots of film. Uh, and then I tell people those opinions and then people try to throw those opinions back in my face when they're like, no, this offensive line is way better than you think it is. And I'm like, did you watch any film? Well, of course not. Um, and uh, and so it's like, well, how can you know that? Well, through these outcome based means, well, those are sucky means. Well, I don't care. I would just want to hurt you. So the way that they try to hurt me, uh, one of them uh, is like, 
well, how can this offensive lineman stink when, you know, he's selected in the NFL draft, you know, oftentimes like in, you know, in, in like the first round. And I'm like, that's, there's no position in football in which, uh, the NFL is selecting, uh, um, less on college performance and technique and more on like perspective and body type. They're, they're selecting offensive linemen entirely like 100% based on your skeleton, your frame, you know, what, what they think they can do with you. Um, and, and so guys that, you know, even, even the fans of that school won't defend that guy as a good player as, as, a, as having had a good career at the, the, their school will wind up being drafted in the first round. Like USC had like two different, you know, years in which they had first round offensive line picks from guys who were like, they had the perfect offensive, you know, tackle body. They played terribly in every USC fan or honest ones anyway, you know, acknowledged it. Like our offensive line was terrible. That's why our team stunk under Clay Helton is they could never, you know, he never figured out the offensive line. He went through like five different offensive line coaches and got so bad, so bad, you know, but they kept getting, you know, their tackles selected in the first round. Well, it's because they were selecting it based on, I don't care how bad your technique is and how poorly you're trained. You know, I because uh, I think I can break you down to the level of an infant and, and rebuild you because, you know, you can't you can't coach your frame, you know. Mm-hmm. So. uh, uh, But that's not what I'm writing about. Like, I'm not you know, I'm not writing about what this guy potentially could be in the NFL with good coaches. You know, a couple of years from now, I'm writing about how well is this guy going to block on Saturday in which. All I I mostly care about his technique because like I don't care how good your frame is if your frame is two yards to the left of where it's supposed to be you know the defensive lineman is going to run right past you and sack the quarterback you know um or 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 you know get a tackle for a loss or whatever like I'm primarily concerned with technique and so like there's no position in which what I'm evaluating for the purposes of figuring out how good you're going to play on Saturday and what the NFL is about or NFL draft scouts are evaluating to figure out when I should take this guy are, you know, we are more at odds than offensive linemen. So, so for every player that's like, this guy was terrible in college, but I could totally see the NFL taking him in the first first round of the draft. There must be the equal and opposite, dude who's like this guy is fantastic in college because his technique is immaculate like you know while while you know while while you were playing video games he was studying the blade you know dude um and yet the nfl is not going to take him because his frame is not perfect right well that dude that dude is ryan walk mm-hmm. you know he I've never seen a player I've never seen an offensive lineman who was more like perfect in his te- like he never missed an assignment he never like his technique was like his footwork was always exactly where it's supposed to be his weight was always balanced you know exactly his, his hand placement was always correct it's just that he was like like five inches shorter 
than he needed to be you know his arms weren't long enough and so like yeah when he was facing like elite defensive linemen and guess what in the nfl you're facing elite defensive linemen every snap you know if if that if that elite defensive lineman was playing with elite technique which like guess what in college like even the elite defensive linemen aren't playing with elite technique on every snap and so you can you know if if you're not an elite body but you are playing with elite technique you can beat an elite body who's not playing with elite technique right like good technique will beat you know bad technique even if your body is inferior to the body that you're playing against the the sentence that i just said makes sense yeah yeah (laughs) like walk would beat more talented dudes in college who were because his technique was better than them but in the NFL, like the NFL couldn't use him because he would be playing guys who had better bodies and who would be playing with comparable technique because that's the nature of the NFL, right? Like everybody that you play is, you know, an Olympic athlete and a chess pro, you know, (laughs) like you can't, you, you can't get away. So like, so all of this is to finally say, I can't imagine a better graduate assistant like for an offensive line, like he could probably teach Elite Terry a thing or two, you know. And like Elite <laughs> uh, Terry was a pretty damn good offensive lineman at Wake Forest, you know. Yeah. I mean, hell, Elite Terry was his coach when he was at Oregon, so like they probably know each other pretty well. Yeah, no, I I I'm just excited about it because um Anytime like you can watch someone go through the process in the program and he literally came from scratch up in the yeah. program, saw some coaching changes, earned that scholarship, became, you know, a, a key part of our of our starting offensive line. He he did spend a season with Mario Cristobal in Miami as a graduate assistant. Yeah. Comes back, now gets to kind of help coach up that next line. You know, it's the track you want to see. Um, to have your next elite offensive line coach. Yeah. So, and a local uh, guy. I mean, he's, he's a Sheldon high school guy, you know, mm-hmm. that's the other thing, you know, he's coming home as the song always, goes. Always good to see. And then the, the last new coaching addition is Taylor Porter, uh, a new assistant strength and conditioning coach. I didn't see we'd lost anyone on our coaching on our strength and conditioning staff, but anytime you can get another person to make your players stronger, um, has combined 15 years experience at NFL and college levels and spent the last four seasons, um, as strength and conditioning coach for Michigan state. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, looking forward to that too. Like, um, it's like, there was a bunch of, um, there, there was a bunch of guys. I saw that on social media and I saw there's a bunch of responses from players who were just like, yeah, we love you, man. Like you're great. Uh, for Michigan state players. So like, yeah, it seems like, you know, uh, uh, it seems like he was, uh, you know, got a good response, you know, out of his players. Um, yeah, no, seems like a, you know, pretty good group a- and on, you know, g- good continuity. You know, the fact that we're this late into the cycle, you know, with some pretty significant changes, you know, in the, you know, I- Arizona went through token change. Washington's gone through a coaching change. Michigan's just about to, you know, Michigan, Oregon state, you know, all, all these programs have gone through significant coaching changes and Oregon has managed to hold on to very good continuity. 
you know, and, uh, and promote from within, you know, like, you know, lots of good, you know, continuity and, and then bringing back guys, you know, like, you know, Ryan walk, you know, I really dig it. All right. Let's talk about these portal guys. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I am going to be doing the work um, to do all the film review on these guys. In fact, I've already started on on most of them. Um, the you know I've I've acquired the film that I need for for everybody that, that we've mentioned. It's just a matter of, uh, of <laughs> watching it, <laughs> writing the articles. Uh, let's see where to start. Uh, Evan Stewart. Um, yes, elite, elite wide receiver. Like absolutely, um, just. I mean, just watching some of the preliminary tape because I did I did do a little to, to get the tape in my library. I did do some of the the film editing work because um, some of the tape that I got wasn't in great shape when I got my hands on it. Uh, so I was just watching some of his film while the film was processing, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "Oh, oh man, um, yeah." Uh, you know, there's the the. I mean, the the worst thing you can say of him is that he didn't see the field for a good chunk of time mm-hmm. for his couple of years at uh, Texas A and M. Um, which you know, I, I, part of that is like the dude said he was injured, and then like his coaching staff apparently like didn't believe him or something like that. Which I don't know. I'm willing to chalk up a hundred percent of it to just uh, the program that Jimbo Fisher running being like a stupid program. Um, <laughs> come planning, on like but there's people in these suites that will pay you to play for this team remember yeah right i mean like i studied florida state for two years when oregon played and i was not real impressed with that organization um and some of the stuff that was uh, going on there i don't think i need to remind people about that um mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no. Well, like, here's the thing. It, you know, he, he did not stay on the field. He played eight games as a freshman and 10 games last year. In 10 games last year, he was still all SEC. Yeah. 53 catches, 649 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. You know, the number one receiver in the portal, Oregon goes out and grabs him. Um, so. And, and like, I, not used correct. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because, you know, I, I'm, I haven't, like comprehensively studied his tape this is just sort of armchair watching but like i don't think that he was used correctly like and i really don't think that jimbo fisher's offense i mean I, I think that jimbo fisher's offense is a relic um and uh and i think that the routes that he was asked to run are just completely inappropriate to his body type like i really think a lot more potential is there to be unlocked um like he was winning all his SEC honors with like, with some handicaps. Yeah. Um. I th- I think there's there's more of a ceiling, and I think there's you know probably I mean this one's given that Will Stein's philosophy appears to be feed the studs, you know, and that Oregon is bringing back, you know, I mean literally he only had four receivers on the field. Uh, you know now. Now, is that because Will Stein only wants to have four guys on the field or because only four guys were above the line, you know, who sort of met the standard? I don't know the answer to that question. You know, um, it's pretty easy to just put, you know, three of the four guys, right? You know, Tez Johnson, Gary Bryant, Treshawn Holden come back for 2024. So it's pretty easy to just say, well, Evan Stewart is your new Troy Franklin. We're done. Um 
but I think it's probably a little more complex than that. Like, I think there's probably going to be more guys coming online and that they're probably going to be doing a little more rotation than we saw in 2023. So you're probably going to see Jury and Dickey and, uh, you know, Kyler Casper and some some more guys. In fact, you know, this coming week, Tristan's writing up the um, the developmental film because, you know, Oregon was putting all their opponents in, into garbage time. So we got like a ton of garbage time film on guys like, you know, Dickey and Casper and uh, and a few others. Um, and so Tristan's going to have that report and, you know, we'll see how they're developing. So um, I think it's a little probably a little more complicated than just like plug Stewart in and, and, you know, hey, he's your new Troy Franklin. But like if that's if it that is the case, like from what I've looked at so far, like okay, fine. <laughs> That'd be just fine. <laughs> like, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it's, we've had some success with the, with some transfer receivers recently. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, to see what happens. Um, yeah. Should we, should we slide over to the defensive line? Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about uh, Jam- uh, Jamari, Jamari Caldwell. Caldwell. 6'1", 325 defensive lineman. Um, that's a big body. (laughs) That is a big body. Uh, Two Uh, seasons at Houston, 39 tackles, 29 for loss, 8.5 sacks and a forced fumble. Um, He's a, you know, he was rated a four star. I mean, he was just wrecking offensive lines. I mean, just wrecking. I mean, like the interesting thing for me for Caldwell is going to be where on the line that he plays because Houston, Houston is using a three down front, but it's not a mint or tight front. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was more of a five Oh five or even like wider than that. Um, and he wasn't playing nose, even though he, you look at his body and you look at his numbers and you're like, that guy's a nose tackle all day. Um, that's not where he was playing. He, he was playing, um, he was, you know, he was playing end. um, in fact, like he was playing as wide as a seven, you know, uh, kind of like Brandon Doralis. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's interesting. Like I wonder if they're gonna play him like a Brandon Doralis and have him moving all over, or if they're gonna be like, uh, you know, you know, no, Mister Caldwell. Like you're built like a nose. We have a much more pressing need at nose. You know, in, in the mint defensive structure, we're loaded at with four eyes who should actually be playing four eyes. Mm-hmm. And I want, I, you know, that's actually going to be the question for me that Caldwell actually he sort of rep, he he personifies an interesting sort of choice, which is for the first two years with this defensive line uh, in Dan Lanning and Tosh LaVoy being at Oregon, they've sort of had to take the guys that they inherited and kind of fudge a mint defensive structure out of it. Right. And, and so it hasn't always really looked exactly like the way that like Georgia's mint defensive structure, which I studied extensively, right. You know, looked like, um, which is, you know, nose four eye, you know, five tech or four eye, um, you know, outside, you know, Jack linebacker as your primary pass rusher, you have a strong side if they're, you know, in heavy, uh, otherwise you're in a nickel, um, like, uh, you know, that, that's not sort of, you know, Oregon is often either in two down fronts, they have doorless plan all over the place. Like they're the, 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 you know, they, they, 
yeah, like it, it wasn't strict. It was sort of kludged up. Mm-hmm. And so then they're importing, you know, a guy like Caldwell and who's like not even though he's built like a nose, even though like, you know, if you blindfold me and didn't, you know, I, I didn't know his provenance, like I would just look at him and say, like, oh, it was a nose um, like they, they've got a choice between like putting their foot down and and like okay this is year three we are actually implementing everybody's going to go where they're supposed to go and we're going to have like the real georgia style mint front or sort of continuing with the the you know the 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 everybody sort of goes in different positions at different times in different situations in which case caldwell could do the doorless thing and sort of be all over i don't know what they'd want to do i don't know what my preference would be i beats me i really don't know i but like caldwell is sort of the the key to i want to watch the spring game and i want to see what they're doing with caldwell because it'll tell me if caldwell's playing nose it'll tell me, oh, they put their foot down and they're they're organizing this like a straight up mint. If, on the other hand, they've got them all over and he's doing the doorless thing, then I'm like, oh, they're going to continue doing the the what they've been doing for the previous two years, which is sort of the semi positionless structure where where they kind of adapt to the line to the situation. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious. And Caldwell's the key to understanding it. Mm-hmm. Let's see who right. else. Uh, well, go ahead. Uh, Atticus Sappington. Yeah. New kicker uh, coming in. Didn't come too far. Came up from Oregon, came down from Oregon State. Um, he was second team all pack 12 in 2023. Uh, 86% field goals, 97% extra points. Um, and so not uh, not terrible zero percent on conversions that he was asked to run in against arizona however (laughs) well unfortunately the ducks do like to to run some some trick plays but usually it's not the kicker trying to have like the defensive lineman do that uh we love using our defensive ends as receivers yeah no i uh, i like a reliable field goal kicker Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I don't really know what to say about it. You know, the field goal. Like, I, I remember I remember years ago, I wish I could find it, where, like, there was some football team that that issued, like, all the players what their goals, you know, were for the season. Uh, mm-hmm. And the kicker, like, put, you know, you know, tweeted his piece of paper out, which was, you know, this, the, you know, the entire sheet of paper, which is mostly blank and just, you know, print, printed up on the top is like four words, which were like, kick the ball through the uprights Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay these are my goals for the season thanks coach (laughs) all right so that's what i want you to do mr sappington i want you to kick the ball through the uprights actually go ahead ahead. well Well, it's one of the things which is i would sure i i don't i'm not sure if this is a responsibility but the other thing that like kind of nobody was talking about what was annoying to me is oregon had a whole lot of kickoffs that go out of bounds last Mm -hmm. year like and that's like a free 10 yards that you hand the opponent so they start out on the 35 and like i don't want to hand teams 10 yards of field free field position and so i don't know if he's a kickoff specialist or or not frankly i wasn't really paying attention to that but like 
Oregon has now it's sort of in an end, end of an era, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they, they will they actually have a number of you know it's it's not just Sapp, uh, Sappington that you know they they brought in other kickers as well. It would probably be a real competition. Um, and yeah, you know, the, I, I I would like the ball to go through the uprights, and I would also like the ball not to go out of bounds on kickoffs. Those are my those are my two goals for the season for kickers. Yeah, <laughs> easy easy goals to 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 set, not as a uh, easy in actual execution. Uh, next transfer to talk about is Cam Alexander, a cornerback from UTSA. Yeah, I actually um, uh, this will be the second year that uh, in a row that I'll be watching UTSA film uh, since I, I I watched Will Stein's. Um, and uh, so I, like I, I already had, you know, some of that film, you know, sitting in my library. And interestingly, you know what his uh, he um, uh, uh, he was um, uh, before he came to UTSA, he was at uh, a uh, an, an FCS school mm-hmm. that FCS school played Texas A&M in 2022. And so therefore he covered Evan Stewart. Ooh, so you yes. actually have film on both of them. Yes. I don't know if I have any tape in which Alexander is facing off directly against uh, Evan Stewart, but you better believe that if I do that, you know, those clips are going in the article like duck on duck. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, like you better. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I do like the full homework. You know, you better believe that I, I research these guys, entire histories and just go get the easy stuff. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, um, I just get the easy stuff. I just pull their stats and, yeah, right. and their measurables, but you, you know, know, I've seen some people because he's kind of a shorter cornerback, uh, pencil him in as a slot corner, which I guess is a possibility. Um, I will simply note from what I preliminarily looked at that his entire career, he's been playing as an outside cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, um, so both at UTSA and at Sam Houston, um, I, Sam Houston made the transition in 2023 to be an FBS school. But during the time that Alexander was at Sam Houston, they were an FCS program for that entire time. Uh, just to clear that up. Um, so that entire time, his entire career, he's played outside corner. Now that was also true of, uh, Nico Reed. He was an outside corner for his entire career. And then, you know, Oregon, you know, had him playing as a slot corner until they stopped and then would play him as a backup outside corner. But I didn't, I didn't like that decision anyway. I don't know, man. All, all I can do is review the film um, and I'll tell you how well he played. Um, but uh, I can tell you that in addition um, uh, to what you wrote about a light, uh, you know, pretty good uh, stat line PFF, you know, really liked him. Um, and uh, uh, he was the, uh, the, the MVP of the, the bowl game that UTSA played. Um, uh, you know, the most recent game that they played, uh, he, he just had a, you know, really fantastic performance in the bowl game. Um, and I got film of that bowl. So I'm looking forward to watching that. There and uh, uh, yeah, um, Oregon should be pretty deep, you know, at the cornerback position should be like a real like competition, not just a competition, but it should be able to free up potentially 
a, a, a dude or two to maybe switch over and play in the interior of the defense, either as a slot corner or, you know, if not Alexander, maybe somebody else um, or like get a guy, maybe like Pleasant or Austin to switch over and play safety. And so like the deeper they get at cornerback, like that's not, I don't think that's necessarily wasted depth. Um, yeah. Well, I, the, I, forecast that manning might make the change to safety oh i don't hmm that's an interesting idea i don't think that'll happen but that's an interesting idea but anyway like yeah i i think i i i would not be surprised um if all these guys that oregon is stacking up at cornerback first of all you can never have too many guys who can cover like all good good to have that many guys and Mm -hmm. second of all I don't think it's wasted depth. I I would not be surprised in the slightest if one or more guys who they're stacking up that you are thinking of right now as outside corners wind up playing in the the interior of the secondary, either, you know, slot corner, star, or deep safety. Um, Yeah. Uh, And then... uh, uh, One Brandon Johnson. Yeah, Brandon Johnson who comes over from Duke. Um, I was able to acquire all the Duke tape. Um, he did not play in the bowl game, I believe. Uh, I don't know. I got all the games that he played in. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he, he. I mean, not this year, obviously, because Chris Hampton was playing uh, or was coaching for Oregon, and not last year because he was coaching for Tulane, but the year before that, uh, he was uh, under Chris Hampton at Duke. Um, uh, I just got his 2023 tape because he was a starter for every one of those games, and you know, the all 12 or whatever games should be adequate. Um, uh, 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 yeah. And like 128 tackles, you know, is a safety, um, you know, Mike Elko was running a pre- it was a, you know, pretty solid defensively oriented program at Duke. Like I- I'm sure he's going to be featured quite a bit. Um, 7.5 sacks, which means they're probably blitzing him a lot. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't know much about him. He's probably going to be pretty late in the project. Um, but like, yeah, you know, Oregon definitely needs, safeties you know more, very yeah, experienced safety um you know, you know definitely a starter i've got all the film on it and uh uh 100 can't go wrong with 128 tackles dude definitely knows how to tackle that is true there may be a couple more uh uh transfers um uh, I mean, there's a couple others that you you noted uh, in your article. Cole Martin transferred out. Casey Kelly, uh, the tight end, transferred out. Um, um, there's some there. Uh, there's a lot of noise that Oregon is projected to land Jabbar Muhammad, um, who's the cornerback uh, at Washington, who hit the portal. Um, but it hasn't been confirmed yet, so we're we're not we're not going to write about it until it's confirmed. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I sure would like that if for no other reason than, uh, I've already got all that film study done. I can <laughs> be very easy for me to hit the publish button on that one. There you <laughs> go. Um, so yeah. So one thing to touch on real quick is we, there will still be some more outgoing transfers at Oregon. There has to oh, be, yeah. uh, there we has are to, they're way over or the scholarship seven limit. scholarships heavy, um, Unless they opt to use, uh, you know, what I wrote about a while back where they they just some of these kids take NIL money and play as walk-ons. I've heard a rumor that um, 
I, I mean, I can't confirm this or anything. I've just heard people speculate that there were that they were already doing that last year, that there were actually a couple of kids who were um, non-scholarship players, um, but were being, you know, an IELT um, that 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 was that what you had speculated on mm-hmm. was actually already the case at Oregon. Um, well, it, it yeah. <laughs> it's probably been the been the case at a few other places as well. Yeah. Um but yeah, you're definitely right. It's probably not going to happen until around spring or maybe after the spring game. Mm-hmm. Um uh you know, probably, you know, during spring practices. Well, I forget exactly when the transfer window uh, uh opens up and also I don't think Oregon has announced when their spring game is going to be yet. Um but the uh yeah, there's going to be another transfer window. Um and yes, you're absolutely right. You know, Oregon's way over the number. Um you know, number of people are just going to have to, but that is the it's the nature of roster management now is you know, you 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 take more than you can carry and then you find out you know who's going to play for you and the folks who aren't going to play for you find a new home while they are still eligible to do so and play you know because that that's what the transfer windows are about is that if you hop in during that transfer window you retain your eligibility to play during 2024 so that a school who can use you can do so which i i think is totally appropriate i I think Mm -hmm. that I think the people who I, I, it was so crazy. I was talking to a friend of mine, like a really like super knowledgeable, super in, you know, with it friend of mine, who's an Auburn fan, you know, like sec, you know, not like a naive, you know, babe in the woods type who was like, who was still holding on to this like old fashioned opinion about like, Oh, when you, when you chase guys out of your program and ask them to transfer out, that's like disloyal. And it, it, it was like a Nick Saban thing, you know, it was like, well, Nick Saban invented this processing out stuff. And so we all hate that here in Auburn. And I'm just like, dude, like what, like uh, what a throwback outdated attitude. <laughs> it was so crazy to me to encounter that. I, I, you know, I feel like, I feel like Oregon fans have, have gotten with the program pretty, you know, pretty well. Um, yeah. And it would definitely be difficult to read any of my articles and, and have any contrary, you know, attitude. Cause I definitely take it as a given. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, everyone talks about, oh, the transfer portal, the transfer portal. It's like, you know, these players that opt to transfer are, are, you know, they'd signed letters of intent and things like that, too. So, you know, loyalty being a two-way street. If I was a player and I was, you know, a, a soft coming out of my freshman or sophomore year and the coach sat me down and said, hey, look, you know, we don't see you know, the, the potential that, that we thought we saw, or, you know, we believe there are better opportunities for you elsewhere, you know, let, how can we help you track them down? I, I would rather have that than someone do what, you know, (laughs) what I saw in high school. It's like, yeah, you got to stick with it and you got to work with it. And maybe by your senior year, you'll see some playing time. Um, and then (laughs) I mean, as I, I think you're doing a kid a cruelty if, if you, you know, if you know that that kid is not going to be able to play for you at this level and you keep him around anyway, I don't see how there's any kindness in that at all. 
like i i think the kindness is in letting him go play at a level where he can see the field and can play the sport that he loves like i think that's the kindness um and and in terms of like oh well that means you know the roster is changing every year it's like well until you invent a system in which coaches can't leave you know coaches can leave at the drop of a hat yeah as as our friends across the columbia found out you know and like until you devise a system in which like coaches are locked down forever and can't leave for you know the four years that they signed up for then like saying you know oh uh, uh you know players are stuck work in the field uh you know for uh, and they can never leave oh and also we we're not going to pay them and they're not allowed to leave hmm that sounds kind of familiar in american history yeah all right that's enough of that uh i I think that'll do it first this week uh you got any parting words of wisdom for us kevin oh the grass is still pretty damn green in eugene now that the snow's finally melted melted yeah they're selling shirts with that uh on it now i i can't wait to put that shirt on and uh and enjoy some green grass of my own um all right I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, uh, the green grass is around the corner. It's January, but the, the ice is melted and the skies are clearing up and it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>